0: It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. Howdy. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. The show is made possible by patrons like Paul, Meredith, Dennis, Jonathan, Rebecca, and Taylor. Yuri, Larry, David, not Larry, David, but Larry and David and uh, Patty and Trudy. Thank you very much for all becoming patrons. You can as well just by going to thepetecalendarshow.com, clicking on the link up there, and then you get access to the exclusive content and the merchandise as well, including the bumper stickers, which are soon to be discontinued, so these will become collector's items. I am certain of it. (laughs) <laughs> it has. They have to be. Um, so Governor Cooper is urging all of us to stay home for Christmas, not to travel, not to see our loved ones in person. Um, meanwhile, the lawsuits against the Cooper administration have arrived. We're going to get into all of this today. Uh, speaking of arriving, you know, what has arrived is growers hemp. CBD products, North Carolina farmers said, you know what, why don't we grow the hemp and why don't we control the whole process, uh, creating CBD products from seed to shelf, so you get top quality for affordable prices. And they're aware uh, that there are, are, you know, different CBD products and companies that are out there. And some of them don't really behave very well. Their products are not very good. And so they know that some people may have had some bad experiences in dealing with like poor customer service or quality. That's why they do what they do at growers hemp because, uh, they want to introduce you to a different way of doing CBD. Okay. An ethical way, a good way, a quality way. Uh, And these are local family farms in North Carolina. And they said, you know what? We can support people on their wellness journey and they can support North Carolina family farms. And everybody wins. I take CBD oil. I take a couple drops before I go to bed every night. And I sleep more deeply ever since I began using them going on now seven months ago. Um, And like a couple nights ago, I forgot to take them. And my mind just wouldn't shut down. And I ended up, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, and that hasn't happened to me in months. Just wake up in the middle of the night, can't get back to sleep for about three or four hours. Luckily, I did some work, uh, and so like there's always work to be done. So, <laughs> uh, but if you want to have, you know, really deep sleep and a good night's sleep, have you checked out CBD products? Growers Hemp. It's where you need to go. GrowersHemp.com. Full spectrum hemp extract. Add it to your daily routine. I did. As with all CBD products, here's the official disclaimer GovCo requires. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Go to growershemp.com. Use the promo code PETE for 20% off. From North Carolina farmers to your home, Growers Hemp, it's about the hemp and not the hype. Joining me now is Jessica Thompson. She is an attorney with the Pacific Legal Foundation, and she is representing Crystal and Kenneth Waldron, the owners of Club 519. And uh, welcome to the show. Jessica, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me, Pete.
0: Sure. So uh, first, let me ask, what is the Pacific Legal Foundation and what kind of work do you and uh, the foundation do?
1: Yeah, so we are a nonprofit public interest law firm. And what that means is we represent our clients pro bono, uh, free of charge. And uh, we stand beside our clients and help them fight back against government overreach and uh, defend constitutional principles for all Americans.
0: So is this the first case y'all are involved in in North Carolina or uh, or do you have a, a record here in the state? Because I, I note in the name, the Pacific part kind of indicates that it's uh, not from the this seaboard.
1: <laughs> That's right. So it's so- a. We uh, originally started in California, uh, but we have expanded across the country, and uh, we've taken cases to the U.S. Supreme Court and fought in state courts as well. Uh, We have taken cases up to the North Carolina Supreme Court uh, in the past, uh, but this is our first North Carolina case uh, challenging the governor's executive orders. Uh, as they relate to covid nineteen. so we're excited to stand up for north Carolinians' constitutional rights uh, during this time.
0: yeah, that was gonna be my follow up was was there do you have any uh, covid related uh, litigation along this line? so this is the first. and so um is there were you just waiting for i guess a a good case to come along to to make this argument because like, this has been going on for, you know, 10 months. <laughs> so uh, I don't mean to say, like, late to the party, but, like, why why now, you know?
1: Sure, that's right. Well, uh, so we have filed uh, COVID cases in other states. Uh, and we were aware of some of the other COVID cases that were percolating in the courts uh, earlier whenever the Phase 2 reopening happened. And uh, now that Phase 3 happened, we were uh, lucky to be contacted by Kenneth and Crystal uh, Waldron. And, you know, they wanted to fight back. And we took a look at the legal landscape and we thought it was a good time to uh, launch this lawsuit. And, you know, they're, they're reaching their end of uh, the rope financially. And so we're really happy that we can step in and hopefully get them some relief in the courts.
0: So, yeah, tell us a little bit about this couple and the bar that they own. It's in Greenville, right? North Carolina? That
1: that's right, home of the ECU Pirates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Crystal uh, is an ECU alum. She was a Chancellor's Ambassador and on the dance team. They have deep connections to the community there. Uh, they are both from Eastern North Carolina. Uh, they've been running Club 519 uh, for 18 years, and it's it's very popular among locals and uh, graduate students. Uh, you know, workers at the hospital there. Uh, members of the community that work in the service industry are also, it's one of their favorite places to go when they get off work. Um, and so, you know, the community's really been missing them over the last nine months and, uh, they're just ready to get back open and, and to see those familiar faces.
0: The, it, it, you mentioned the uh, service industry employees. This is one of the things I talked to a local bar. Uh, they actually, uh, uh, it's a billiards hall. And mm-hmm. they were sort of in a gray area because they're not, you know, they have a bar, but it's a billiards hall. And um, and so they were, they were trying to figure out what they could and could not do. But they were a, a popular place, exactly like you said, for that clientele. Uh, and that's when they do most of their business. And so they get doubly hit when they were allowed to reopen, but then the curfews come in and that's their prime earning hours. And so it's mm-hmm. like, thanks, but no, thanks. Can't really even it's, continue to operate uh, in that time frame.
1: That's exactly right. And I think uh, our lawsuit really draws out some of those distinctions. Uh, you know, Bars were closed uh, for, a, for a long period. And then uh, in October, with the phase three reopening, Governor Cooper allowed private bars to open outside. But at a just such strict uh, restrictions on occupancy, uh, it would require a outdoor space the size of a basketball court uh, to even host 33 clients or patrons there. Mm. Uh, and most most bars don't have a basketball court outside that they can that they can serve their customers on. Uh, and so these restrictions have just been so strict that, like that billiards hall that you were talking about, and these uh, curfews, you know, it's it's really limited the ability of these small businesses to open up and and to run and be profitable.
0: So what does the law say? Because it sounds like the governor and his team, um, and uh, of lawyers, I it sounds like they are pretty sure that what they're doing is all completely legal. So what's the counter-argument?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, there have been some challenges, and uh, we're ready to uh, to take the governor's arguments on uh, in court. So uh, the first thing that we are challenging is his right to impinge or you know impede on the uh, right to earn a living in North Carolina. That right is uh, secured in the Constitution. It's, it's elevated to a fundamental right, Uh, under our state constitution. And recently there was a case uh, with the bowling centers uh, and they were successful. Uh, The courts asked in that case, if the regulation is for a proper government purpose. And here we say that uh, really it's economic favoritism that is forcing uh, the private bars to operate under these strict restrictions, while bars and breweries, restaurants and distilleries have been allowed to open.
0: Right. And even the difference in treatment between breweries versus bars, was kind of ridiculous because initially they let the restaurants open and the breweries were like, well, are we included in that or not? And so then they had to come back and do a, a special am- amendment, you know, to clarify, uh, oh, no, yeah, your breweries, you're allowed to open, too. So then the bars were like, well, what about us? I'm like, no. If you make the beer on site, apparently that keeps COVID away. It's a very smart <laughs> virus I have learned over the last 10 months. Uh,
1: yes, that, that's exactly right. And, you know, um, to that point, so we also have an equal protection claim. And all that says is that, you know, equal or similar businesses need to be treated similarly. Uh, whenever they're the same, treat them the same. And, uh, you know, exactly you hit on it that the governor has said, Oh, if you produce or sell alcohol for off-premises consumption, you can open. But the problem with that is you can go to a bottle shop and buy a six-pack to go, or you could just go to the bottle shop and not purchase anything to go, uh, not take any alcohol away. And in that instance, you're going to it to the bar just in the same way that a private bar is. Um, and I should say, you know, we don't we don't hope that. Uh, any of these other bars that have been allowed to open safely, you know, with the precautions that the governor has put in place, we don't wish them closed. We just want the same opportunity to institute those same health and safety precautions and open up and serve our customers safely.
0: What about the uh, the food component? Because that You know, North Carolina, as long as well as a lot of other states, they they differentiate restaurants and bars based on the amount of food that gets sold as a percentage mm-hmm. of the total revenue pie. Right. And so that's been the way they've been delineating between bars and restaurants. And so is there any is there a legal justification for that simply selling food and a certain amount of food? In relationship to your total alcohol sales is that a i don't know is that is that a defensible position
1: so that is something that uh when i first started looking at this case i was very interested to see if that was a defensible position but we don't believe that it is and that's because uh, at breweries wineries and distilleries they don't have a requirement that they serve food Um, and so just like private bars they don't have to have a kitchen on site they don't have to follow food regulations Uh, you know, for their kitchen. And so that's not a distinguishable feature either. And uh, even the ABC uh, issued guidelines that said wine shops and bottle shops can open because they serve for off premises consumption, but they also do not have to serve food. And it's also interesting when you think about it, uh, so many bars are inside of restaurants. And, you know, we can go down to a Buffalo Wild Wings and watch a football game and enjoy a beer, and not order a single chicken wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we don't think that that is a uh, adequate justification for this distinction.
0: So it sounds like then there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of weight being applied to the concept of off premises consumption. So maybe if if only bars were allowed to sell for off site consumption, then maybe <laughs> there would be an opening here. So I mean I'm being I'm being facetious here because that's yeah. exactly what the governor has just done, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah. Oh, I know. That is quite interesting. Uh, but you know, under this it you know, I understand maybe he's even, you know, trying to do something to help small businesses and and he's trying to to, you know, lend a hand, but it it falls short. It's uh, just an empty gesture because, you know, serving one cocktail to go is just not going to allow a business to open a private bar to open up uh, and to to have enough revenue um, to serve you know and to stay open and to pay their uh, pay the bills and uh, pay the service staff that they would have to and it's it's just ridiculous when you consider that so many other bars across the state are open and can serve their patrons inside uh, and we could do so safely as well.
0: More with Jessica Thompson in a minute. First, general equipment rental. This is where you need to go if you are in need of equipment, power equipment, big or small. Uh, General equipment rental will get you the tool that you need for the job, and they'll show you how to use the tool. So then the job gets done quickly and, most importantly, correctly. Exactly. You want it to to be done correctly, and having the right tool lets you do the job correctly correctly. Um, They have air tools, compressor, scaffolding, large power tools. Uh, They got earth movers, lawn and garden equipment, construction and earth moving equipment. They have it all. So whatever the project, go to General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. They're family owned and operated for three generations. Uh, Also, Get 10% off the Husqvarna auto mower while supplies last. They're selling this thing. This is a Roomba for your lawn. You, you, You set the thing up. It's got an app. It maps your yard, and then it knows the boundaries, and it cuts your grass all the time, and then it charges itself. And if anybody tries to steal it, it shuts down, becomes basically a paperweight, and there's a GPS locator so you can find the thieves immediately. Talk about... The power of technology, right? The Husqvarna auto mower. While supplies last 10% off, great last-minute Christmas gift idea. Just saying. They are your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. GeneralRents.com. Think outside your toolbox. I'm speaking with Jessica Thompson. She is an attorney with the Pacific Legal Foundation. She's representing Kenneth and Crystal Waldron, who own a bar in Greenville, North Carolina, called Club 519. Uh, so can you tell, tell us a little bit about this couple and what they're uh, going through? I mean, not to get into their financial status or anything like that, but I, I was speaking to a county commissioner uh, uh, earlier in the week. Uh, and, you know, he knows all of these businesses that have been just shut down. And he says, look, this is killing uh, businesses and people's lives that they have spent, um, you know, building a business. And you, you, nobody has the kind of money to sit mothballed for eight months, 10 months. It's it's insane. And so when mm-hmm. the, the, the order lasts as long as it does like this, those businesses are done. It, are, are, are the Waldron's at that point now and what are what's their mindset on this?
1: Yeah, so um, you know, I have to say that they were they were really downtrodden and upset uh, because at the beginning of phase two, uh, you know, Governor Cooper had some statements that implied that uh, bars would be able to open up in phase two. And so they were very hopeful, you know they did their part, they were closed and uh, they, they did some touch-ups, painting, and the, all of that to prepare for the reopening. And they were just heartbroken when they weren't allowed to reopen. And here comes phase three, and they don't have um, an outdoor space to, to serve their clients or customers. And uh, so, you know, it's just, it was very, very, uh, you know, just depressing and demoralizing uh, mm-hmm. to be left behind when all these other bars were allowed to open. Uh, And they were fortunate to receive a PPP loan. And I was mentioning that they're, you know, members of the community. And uh, Greenville community is just a a wonderful uh, community that we have in the state. And uh, those members uh, set up a GoFundMe and, Mm. uh, you know, raised some funds to keep the bar going. Uh, But unfortunately, the PPP money has run out. Uh, Those community funds have run out. And they are really uh, at the at the end of their rope uh, financially, and so uh, they've had to take up uh, you know side jobs to be able to support themselves, and they have two children, um, and so it's it's just a, a, a extremely difficult financial strain. And around the holidays, I know everyone. Understands how difficult that can be. And so I'm just so, uh, you know, happy that Pacific Legal Foundation exists and we can step in to help vindicate their constitutional Mm -hmm. rights uh, at this time.
0: So um, I want to ask you about that. The constitutional argument here, this um, the the Constitution of the state of North Carolina prohibits an unequal burden on the fundamental right to earn a living. Um, I guess the question there, though, is even in a pandemic like even if public health requires the shuttering of certain industries because that's where it's spreading because this has been the argument uh i have heard is that you have a bar you got a lot of people in there they drink too much they get all up in each others uh you know personal space they can't social distance they forget about wearing the masks and that's why they're spreading all of the covid and so uh is there some sort of an exemption for a public health crisis?
1: You know, I think that's a great question and there's there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, So let me see if I can can hit all of those. Um, So under the test, whenever courts look at this, uh, they look at the public good to be achieved uh, from these restrictions, burdening your constitutional fundamental right to earn a living, uh, versus the private burden that's placed on the individual. And so here, when the governor has allowed bars, you know, inside restaurants, at distilleries, wineries, breweries. Uh, He's allowed all of those to open. The vast majority of bars in the state are open. Hmm. Uh, There's very little public good that's going to come from preventing private bars from opening, considering that all of these other uh, bars are open. And then when we consider the private burden here, it's immense, it is 100%. We have completely shuttered uh, this bar and prevented them from their common occupation, their right to earn a living. And I think in a time like this, when you know folks just want to get out and support themselves, support their families, we don't need to make that harder on them when it's already difficult enough due to the the pandemic. Um, and another thing that your question raises is, you know, an emergency when we're when a hurricane hits, for example, in our state, uh, that is an emergency where the governor may need to take extreme steps to to change laws and regulations to provide aid. Uh, down to the coast or wherever the natural disaster has happened, but we're nine months into this pandemic, and the General Assembly has convened, and they will reconvene next month, and under our constitutional system, it's the legislature's job to to legislate a policy response to COVID-19, and it's also the governor's duty, constitutional duty, uh, to work with that legislature and craft this policy response. And so we really hope in the new year, that's what happens.
0: So do you think then that the governor has gone beyond the spirit of his, uh, I guess, of the legislation, the the emergency powers that he, that he, that he can assume, do you think he's gone beyond that?
1: Uh, so we do, we have a couple of arguments uh, related to his powers under the emergency management act, Uh we believe that by legislating the entire policy response, he's he's usurped the legislature's power to legislate a policy response to COVID-19, and and you can see that in the breadth of his executive orders, everything that they touch, and how um you know broad and how they touch every aspect of North Carolinians' lives all across the state. Uh, another issue with the uh, legislation is that. It does The legislation itself does, or the EMA doesn't have enough procedural safeguards to protect individual liberty. And that's what separation of powers is about, is to protect each of our constitutional rights. Uh, and so we are challenging the actual um, statute as well, that it's unconstitutional mm. if it indeed does grant the governor the power to declare this state of emergency for an unlimited duration. And by the text of the statute, that's what it says it does. Uh, but that's unconstitutional.
0: There's also no, as far as I can tell, there's no limiting principle on any of this either, which, uh, that, yeah, I mean, that's that's concerning to me.
1: Absolutely. And, and that's why we've seen such a uh, broad use of the police power. And that power, uh, the people of North Carolina delegated that to the General Assembly in the Constitution. And so it's their job to exercise that power. And I should say the reason uh, it's not that Governor Cooper isn't making the best decisions that he can, but he's one person. And when the General Assembly gets together as a deliberative body, they represent all people in North Carolina, all across the state. And the governor can only represent the people who, you know, who have his ear. Uh, And so it's just a more democratic and representative uh, process for the General Assembly to craft that policy response.
0: So let me uh, play devil's advocate here. Um, This is what he had to do in order to keep people safe. And so if you uh, if you strip him of this power, then a lot of people are going to be harmed. They're going to die and you're going to be directly responsible for deaths.
1: Well we certainly don't uh, we don't want to cause anyone any harm. And uh, I I suppose we uh, reject the premise that uh, if we're able to reopen safely with the same safety precautions that uh, restaurants are using all across the state and keeping North Carolinians safe, uh, we we don't believe that we're going to uh, harm our customers uh, in the first instance. But uh, you know, Going back to something I mentioned earlier, we're nine months into this pandemic and the legislature is completely capable of uh, legislating a policy response to uh, to COVID-19. And even in the governor's uh, powers in the constitution, he is allowed to convene a special session of the general assembly whenever something like this happens. Uh, so if you know they were to uh, recess as they did this summer and Governor Cooper said, you know what, we need we need uh, new laws passed. He could have reconvened them, especially to address this situation, uh, and work together with them to pass laws uh, that would protect North Carolinians. So, we don't have to forego the Constitution in order to protect all of our lives.
0: Yeah. Well, I've 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 often noted the irony that we're relying on an administration to tell every business how it can operate safely and they still haven't figured out how to do in-person press conferences. So uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure they're the experts. What kind of timeline are we looking at now on this, uh, on this litigation?
1: Sure. So we hope in the new year, we are going to uh, be able to uh, have a hearing on a, what's called a preliminary injunction. And so we'll be asking the court to uh stop the governor from enforcing his executive orders against private bars like Club 519. Uh, Depending on how that goes, there may be an appeal to the North Carolina Supreme Court. Uh, And then from there, we will uh, be able to seek discovery where we'll be able to take depositions of uh, members of the governor's team who have crafted these policies. We'll uh, find out more information uh, through document requests and so on and so forth. Uh, We'll head towards the trial and then we'll have another appeal if necessary.
0: So the first step is this uh, preliminary injunction. And so that's what asking the court to step in and say, stop this order from being in effect.
1: That's correct. And uh, I was mentioning earlier that uh, some bowling centers back in June, I believe the order came out in July. They were successful at that stage. Uh, And the governor ended up changing his executive order. Uh, So that's always a possibility, too. And that's one we would welcome as well.
0: Yeah, I think he actually changed. uh, It may have been the bowling alley order uh, right before the order came down. Or maybe that was the churches. I forget. Just like everybody assumed that. They knew that they were not in a good spot, and so they just undid what they had, rather than take the L in court or something. So uh, I don't know. I guess that's one way this uh, shakes out as well. Um, and so you say the beginning of the uh, of twenty twenty one. You have do you have a, a, an idea like early January or is it going to be end of January? Do you have any idea what a, a court date yet is?
1: We don't have a court date yet, since the complaint was just filed late last night, and understandably the the courts are. Uh, quite busy and mm-hmm. backlogged from, uh, you know, their disruptions due to COVID. Uh, so we don't have a hearing yet, but we'll be sure to keep you updated. And if your listeners would like to follow along with the case, they can head over to PacificLegal. dot uh, org, and they can find all of the information about the the case and the latest updates.
0: Perfect. Is there anything else you'd like to add that you think is important or interesting to note here before we let you go?
1: I would just say that, uh, you know. Governor Cooper has said, I've closed bars to be tough on the pandemic and tough on COVID-19. And really what that's been toughest on is small business owners across the state. And so I really hope that this lawsuit can vindicate the right to earn a living and that the separation of powers in our state is to protect individual liberty. And so... uh, we're, we're just out here fighting for all North Carolinians. And thank you for having me, Pete.
0: Oh, absolutely. Thank you for making the time for us. We appreciate it. Jessica Thompson, an attorney with the Pacific Legal Foundation and the website, again, pacificlegal.org. Okay.org. Thanks so much for your time. It was a pleasure chatting with you and uh, keep us posted.
1: You too, Pete. Thank you.
0: Now, this is not the only lawsuit that the Cooper administration is facing. I'll get to those details in a minute. First, I want to tell you about Old Grouch. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Last minute shopping for Christmas gift ideas. Old Grouch has gift cards. These are good for anything in the shop from cold weather gear to survival kits to body armor to first aid kits. Get online at oldgrouch.com and pick up one of these gift cards or pick one up at the shop itself. The gift card is really cool. They're actually engraved on real military dog tags, um, which makes them a really unique gift, right? They can be bought in the store. Or uh, you can do one over the phone or email. So hurry up, stop by over the holiday weekend and bring the whole family Merry Christmas from Old Grouch's Military Surplus on Main Street in downtown Clyde across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. And, of course, tell them uh, that you heard it here on the program. I appreciate that. So bar owners from six counties across the state are now going to court to challenge the governor's executive orders that shut down their businesses. This is from the Carolina Journal uh, staff. Their lawsuit seeks to have a key piece of the State Emergency Management Act declared unconstitutional. The suit was filed in Carteret County Superior Court, and it comes the same day after uh, the similar case that we were just talking with Jessica Thompson about. Uh, This case, though, has plaintiffs in one suit. They operate bars in Guilford, Forsyth, New Hanover, Buncombe, and Wake Counties in addition to Carteret County. Uh, Chuck Kitchen is the Raleigh-based attorney representing more than a dozen individuals and businesses, and he said, quote, The governor has been issuing his executive orders since last March with no checks or balances. Uh, The State Emergency Management Act uh, Cooper has been using, uh, he's relying on a portion of this statute to bypass the Council of State While exercising these emergency powers during the pandemic, Kitchen says, quote, this statute allows the governor to exercise the power of cities and counties in issuing his executive orders, including the executive order. Right. And all of them, actually, there's like a dozen of them that have kept the bars closed without that authority. All of the governor's executive orders would have to be approved by the Council of State. And the Council of State, for folks who don't remember, this is the um, the body of 10 elected officials. These are the statewide elected officials in North Carolina. The governor, attorney general, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, agriculture commissioner, labor commissioner, secretary of – I already said secretary of state. Treasurer, labor commissioner – I'm losing track of which ones that I've named and which ones I haven't. But there are 10 of them, okay? Superintendent for public instruction, auditor. I think that might be all of them. Is that all of them? Uh Secretary of State, have I said that? No, have I <laughs> I know I already said that one. All right, so they got, so 10 state offices. This is, this was, by the way, the premise of the lawsuit that Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest filed against Roy Cooper saying uh, that he did not get concurrence from the Council of State. And I pointed this out, uh, I think yesterday or maybe the day before, that Cooper, in this uh, executive order allowing bars to sell cocktails to go, that um, he got concurrence approval from the Council of State. He went to the Council of State and got them to sign off on this, which doesn't make any sense. Why would you go back to the Council of State to get their concurrence? You said in court and in public at your news briefings that you do not need concurrence from the Council of State, even though you sought it initially when you shut everything down back in March. He originally went to the Council of State via email and said, hey, Can I get your approval on this stuff? And the Republicans were like, yeah, no, not so much. Not on this part. We don't like these parts here where you're shutting down this stuff. Meanwhile, he'd already issued his press release saying that he was doing this stuff. And then when they said, well, wait a minute, why did you ask our concurrence? He says, well, I didn't even really need to get your approval here because he wouldn't have got it. See, if he would have gotten the approval, then he would... He would say, well, look, you know, Council of State agrees with me. We're all in this together. It's bipartisan. But when the Council of State disagrees with him, what did he do? He said, I don't need you guys. I'm going to do it myself. So now here's the, um, I've got the lawsuit here. It's 14 pages, and I shall read every word of it. The... No, I'm kidding. It's uh, 14 pages. This is the lawsuit um, from the uh, from the multiple bar owners. And just uh, for folks who are curious in Buncombe County, Dueling Pianos is one. And MR Entertainment is another. I counted up the executive orders here uh, that are listed that kept the bars closed. There's a dozen of them before Cooper finally allowed the bars to do outdoor consumption, right? But as we heard from uh, uh, Jessica Thompson, some bars just don't have that space outside to do that, right? They, they cannot accommodate outdoor uh, – I don't want to call it dining because I guess it is – but. They, they they don't have the space for it outside each of the plaintiffs are owners and operators of the bars. Uh, each of the plaintiffs have suffered financial damages due to the closings of their uh, of their establishments. The actions of the defendants Cooper, in prohibiting the plaintiffs from engaging in ordinary occupations present a substantial encumbrance on economic activity which constitutes a manifest threat of irreparable harm sufficient to invoke the equity jurisdiction of the court. The plaintiffs will suffer irreparable harm due to the actions of the defendants as it deprives the plaintiffs of their constitutional right to work and enjoy the fruits of their labor. This is a very similar argument, if not the exact same argument, that Thompson is making for the bar in Greenville County, or uh, the city of Greenville, rather. The uh, Emergency Management Act under which the defendants are operating does not provide a plain speedy or adequate remedy at law the plaintiffs therefore do not have an adequate state remedy now this is an interesting argument because when they get shut down to whom do they appeal that decision how do they seek redress from their government right how do they lodge a complaint get somebody's attention what's his name zach medford i think with the uh the uh beer industry alliance the brewers alliance whatever like He's been beating his head against this wall for almost a year now. He can't get people to respond to his concerns for bar owners, right? And they they just keep, there's no incentive in the administration, there's no incentive to listen to these people and to hear their concerns. How, like, honestly, like, what's the size of that constituency, you know, bar lovers, bar owners, and that's it. What universe is that? He's already won re-election, so who really cares what these folks have to say? So how do you seek redress? This is how they do it. They're gonna have to sue, and now they are. Frankly, I'm amazed it has taken this long. Article one, section nineteen of the Constitution provides that, quote, no person shall be taken, imprisoned, or deceased, not diseased, but diseased. Like seized. But dis-seized, you know, like like how Republicans seize on things. This is (laughs) dis-seized. So, or deceased of his freehold, liberties, or privileges, or outlawed, or exiled, or in any manner deprived of his life, liberty, or property, but by the law of the land. No person shall be denied the equal protection of the laws, nor shall any person be subjected to uh, discrimination by the state because of race, color, religion, or national origin then they list all these executive orders that uh, are unconstitutional as applied to owners and operators of bars as neither the state nor the governor possess the authority to deprive the plaintiffs of their right to earn a living. See, where the governor messed up on all of this, I think, is that um, he's treated breweries and restaurants different than he has treated bars and clubs. It's very clear that there are different classes of establishments here. Craft beer, you're okay. Nightclub, you stay closed, go out of business, screw you. Like, that's the approach here. And it's very clear. And that's not allowed in the Constitution, according to the lawsuit that has been filed. Now, one of the things I thought was interesting was this uh, to-go idea, this uh, cocktails to-go idea that the governor has implemented. And I'm not really, like, I just want to say this as one who worked in bars and restaurants for a very long time, like years ago for like a decade, I can tell you um, I'm not aware of people that show up to a bar just to get their alcohol. You're going for more than just alcohol. And now nine months into the pandemic, if you have not learned how to make a martini at this point, I'm not really sure (laughs) Like, oh, I need to go to this place because they make the best martinis. Okay, so I'm not really sure there's a ton of people that are going to be using this allowance. But I mean, I could be wrong and I hope that the bars are able to, you know, become profitable and make some money and stuff. But I'm just I'm I'm just not confident that there's a huge market out there for people that are like, I got to get me a margarita to go. But maybe there are. I don't know. I like I said the other day, I'm not The target demo for this. So I did find this interesting, though, that the Sheriff's Association, they put out a memo uh, and they're like, hey, we looked over this law. And just a heads up, there isn't anything in the law that allows the governor to do this. So um, we're not aware and have not found any legal authority that would authorize an override of the state law prohibition uh, on to-go sales on carry out alcohol. Okay, there is a prohibition on carry out alcohol. And this does not change simply because the governor wrote an executive order. This is what the Sheriff's Association, who, by the way, they're the ones that are going to be enforcing this. So if you think about it, you got the governor telling everybody, oh, it's okay. Sell the booze to people in their cars. Well, You can even deliver it to their homes. And the Sheriff's Office is saying, or the Sheriff's Association is saying, yeah, that's not against, or that's against the law. That's technically not allowed. If you're driving with alcohol in your car, like spirits, liquor, basically, then uh, it has to be manufactured, sealed in the trunk of the car. You cannot be driving around with, <laughs> with some sort of open container, right? Because that's what it is. These are open container laws. I, I don't understand. Uh, well, we're gonna get. I'm gonna get to this because the sheriff's association just put out this statement, uh, and they say Executive Order 183 says that it will allow. Uh, the open container, however, current state law does not authorize uh, does not authorize mixed alcoholic beverages to be sold for carry out. The general statute sets forth the legal powers and duties of the ABC Commission. And while these powers and duties are varied, they do not include the authority to suspend or rewrite a state statute or any other criminal law violation imposed by the North Carolina General Assembly. So what is this? The legislature makes the laws the executive branch enforces they do not get to make up their own laws and that's what cooper is doing that's the and that is at the heart of these lawsuits as well meanwhile cooper's telling everybody stay home for christmas we're going to get to that in a minute first speaking of staying home maybe you don't want to stay home cuz your home uh, isn't really great and you want a better home well call rowena patton she will get you a better home Uh, Her phone number is 333-4483, and her website is mountainhomehunt.com. She is the official, and only, Homes for Heroes real estate agent in the Asheville area. This is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. This goes to police officers, sheriff's deputies as well, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. So veterans, active duty, retirees, all of you, you get 25% back from the realtor commissions, and she has uh, given back about $800,000 so far to local folks in those professions. So I don't know why you would use anybody else other than Rowena Patton unless you just want to throw money away. 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, that's the website, and uh, start packing. So one of the problems that Roy Cooper is now facing is that he has acted unilaterally throughout this entire pandemic, right? Issuing his orders, deciding what is and isn't allowable. So there isn't anywhere for him to shift blame because this is all on him, right? And maybe if he, I don't know, had some experience as a lawmaker, as a lawyer, maybe even like if he had spent four terms as the North Carolina Attorney General, maybe he would, I don't know, not be making some of these mistakes when it comes to... Uh, the you know the correct restraints on law as provided in the North Carolina Constitution but uh, you know that's not really his background he was simply the attorney general for four terms and a lawmaker and a lawyer anyway North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper is advising all of us to avoid traveling over the holidays saying that he would limit his own Christmas gathering in Raleigh as well you see so he's going to do it himself so they had a briefing and uh, he was talking about how Uh, Last week, the Pfizer vaccine was distributed to 53 hospitals, and uh, next week, the Moderna vaccine arrives, and he says that the federal government uh, is the one that determines the number of doses per state, based it's generally based on the state's population, uh, and then the state determines where the vaccines go and that uh, we are set to be getting uh, about 60,000 Pfizer vaccines in or doses next week, plus another uh, 176,000 doses of the Moderna vaccine.
2: I've witnessed firsthand some of our frontline healthcare workers receiving the first doses of the vaccine. And Dr. Cohen and I were told yesterday at Duke health that the most common side effect of the vaccine they are seeing, is joy. Joy that is a good kind of contagious.
0: Uh, anyway, he said we all have to double down again, more, keep doubling than we've been doubling now, and we need to do doubling downing for the healthcare workers.
2: Our frontline healthcare workers have had a tough time dealing with this painful, lonely, slow death and destruction caused by this virus. Until this vaccine gets enough people immunized, we owe it to those healthcare workers to double down on our prevention efforts like wearing a mask. When you think about their heroic efforts, spending all day on their feet in full protective gear, rushing from one ill COVID patient to the other, it doesn't feel so hard to simply wear a mask at the grocery store or when we are with people we don't live with.
0: Come on guys, we can do this. He always sounds like uh like the assistant coach that is taking over for the coach because the coach just got thrown out for throwing a chair across the basketball court. Anyway, he said, "Cancel your plans for an in-person Christmas if you can. We are concerned. North Carolina
2: needs to drive down our numbers." To do that, we need to change our holiday plans if we haven't already. The best and safest option is to connect virtually or by phone. But if you gather in person, keep it small and outside if you can. Get a COVID-19 test before you go. Spread out the tables and the chairs. Follow the modified stay-at-home order and be home by 10 p.m. And as always, always wear a mask. It's easy to let our guards down when we're with our family. But no matter how much you trust and love someone, if they don't already live with you, keep wearing a
0: mask all right credit where it is due steve watson i believe is his name from the raleigh news and observer with this question
2: yesterday you issued an executive order to allow mixed drinks to go Uh, if you could have done that sooner this year why was there a way to do it now well first there was an attempt to do this in the state legislature and the state legislature did not act we know that the restaurant and bar industry is hurting We also know that when people go and participate on site uh, with eating and drinking, that there's a greater chance for COVID-19 spread. So we worked very hard to make sure we stayed within the legal boundaries uh, (laughs) of the law. But we believe that this will provide a safer situation and will also provide an important financial boost for bars and restaurants that
0: are really hurting right now. All right. so There's so much wrong with this. First, well, let me say... question, please. All right. Yeah. So this, I will say this is the correct thing, which is it is safer. Uh, Definitely. You know, selling alcohol, cocktails, mixed drinks, selling that on a to-go basis only versus having people inside... I'm sure it's going to be safer. Now, that being said, I don't think it's a financial lifeline, a boost to these businesses. I don't think it's going to be that big, if at all, because I think, honestly, staffing people, right, paying people simply to create these cocktails that you're not even allowed to mass produce remember you have to sell them in the same amount in the same size in the same kinds of containers you're not allowed to like make uh like a bulk production you can't make a like a, a big gallon of long island iced tea you can't do it you got to you got to sell it as you normally would have sold it individually so if you want a shot think about how silly this is right if you just want a shot of alcohol than of whiskey then you're not allowed to buy anything more than just the one shot from the bar (laughs) which why would you do that it doesn't make any sense okay but notice what he does there okay he blames the general assembly because you know they're republicans right so he blames the general assembly for not doing the cocktails to go this carry out bill they didn't do it okay but the question was why didn't you do it? And he says, well, you know, the General Assembly didn't do it. Like, Governor, they haven't been in session for months, and you haven't called them back. Why wouldn't you call them back? Like, if you wanted this done, why wouldn't you pressure them to do it initially, first of all? Secondly, why wouldn't you call them back into an emergency session to do it if it's this important? Or how about this? Why would you lock them down and not provide this, uh, this method earlier in the process? You could have done this when other states were doing it. Or if you thought you have the authority to do it right now, then why didn't you do it several months ago when the General Assembly left town and you realized, oh, they're not going to do this carry out uh, uh, li- r- lifting of the restriction. And so I will do it for them. I will take this very same approach that you're doing right now. He never answers the question. And again, Cooper has made it very clear for the last nine months now, that he controls the rules here. This is his show. Yet, what does he do? He shifts the blame to the General Assembly on why he didn't do something earlier, when he totally could have, right? He totally could have done something earlier. So, good question from the News and Observer. Unfortunately, Cooper doesn't answer the question. But, the reporter, wait for it, there's a follow-up. The reporter gets to ask a follow-up. Will the News and Observer reporter press Governor Cooper for his non-answer? Stick around. We'll we'll hear up next. First, mattressmanstores.com is the website to go. If you want to get a new mattress, there's nothing better than the gift of a great night's sleep. You can save up to 60% on select floor models and in-stock inventory right now at mattressman. How awesome would that be? Start the new year on a new mattress. You can get 50% off the 2920 sleep mattress. King sizes that were about $1,300 now selling for under $650. While supplies last, you can take one home tonight. They also have the Biltmore collection made by Restonic. These are American-made, North Carolina-made in Fayetteville. And these are sold exclusively at Mattress Man stores. And these are the mattresses that are at the hotel and the inn on the grounds of the Biltmore estate. So they also have, by the way, their hybrid mattress blowout sale going on. So you're going to get great mattresses at great deals at Mattress Man. Four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They do ship nationwide. They have five-star local delivery service and a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man, buy local, and sleep better. So did the News & Observer reporter, with the ability and opportunity to ask the follow-up question after Cooper does not answer his question about why he didn't do something about the takeout cocktail service earlier. Will he ask? Will he ask his follow-up question? And will he get answers? I think you kind of know where this is going by now, don't you? Yeah, thanks for answering that question. Thanks for taking my my follow-up. Oh, my God. He didn't answer your question. Why are you thanking him? He did not answer your question. Um, With all the um, spread of the virus around the state and the the advice to not travel for Christmas, I'm curious what your plans are for the holiday to celebrate Christmas and and has it impacted that in any way? That's a good question, too, though. It is. That's a good question. But it's not a follow-up. That is not a follow-up question to the question he did not answer. You should have pressed him on getting an answer to the question you initially asked, although this is still a good question. Here's what he said.
2: I plan to be right here at home in Raleigh with just immediate family. Is what I plan to do. Next question, please. All
0: right, so he's going to be home in Raleigh with his immediate family. That's what he plans to do. Here's a good follow-up for that response. Who's your immediate family? Does that include your adult daughter, the one who's engaged, the one who went onto Facebook to denigrate women who get married at the Biltmore Estate? Does she live in the governor's mansion with you? I don't think she does. Will she and her fiancé be joining your family for Christmas celebrations? Will you all be outside if you're counting her as immediate family? Will you be wearing masks? Will you be sitting at the same table? Will you be sitting at different tables that are spaced apart? See, these are the follow-up questions that I suspect you could ask if the governor were to allow press briefings in person, but he does not. And this is... There's a tie-in here, because you heard what happened, Dr. Deborah Birx, uh, the coordinator for the White House Coronavirus Task Force. She's now planning to retire because of the backlash that she has faced since it was discovered that she traveled out of state during Thanksgiving. Dr. Burks told Newsy in an interview that she plans to be helpful in any role that people think I can be helpful in during the incoming Biden administration. But, she says... Um, This has been very difficult. She says, you know, my family has been dragged into all of this. My daughter hasn't left the house in 10 months. My parents have been isolated for 10 months. They've become deeply depressed, as I'm sure many elderly have, uh, as they have not been able to see their sons and their granddaughters. She says, my parents haven't seen their surviving son in over a year. Yeah, it's awful. You're the one that's been telling us not to do these things and see our loved ones. And so then she goes, after the day after Thanksgiving, she goes to some vacation property that she has in Delaware. Now, she claims that she was not going there to celebrate Thanksgiving. She was going to winterize the house and get it ready for sale because apparently they're selling it. And it just so happened that um, what her daughter and her grandchildren all came to the location as well interesting. (laughs) So you met with your immediate family. She considers all of these people to be her immediate family, even though they live in different households. And even though she's been telling people, don't hang out with people from different households. If you want us to take this as seriously as you claim we should be taking it, you guys need to behave as if you believe it's as serious as you're telling us it is. That's a wrap for this episode. I appreciate you listening. Thanks so much for the support. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. Give it a positive review. Think about becoming a patron as well. All the links are at com. Thanks again for listening. Talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.